2: build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints
1: tired of spills and stains on your sofa wash away your worries with anabay anabay the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices
3: In this episode, we discuss mental health and self-harm. If you or a loved one need help, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255.
4: And welcome to Let's Red Table That. I'm Tracy T. Rowe, and
3: I'm Kara Presley. How are you feeling today, Tracy?
4: I am feeling every day amazing. You know this episode was heavy. <laughs> I mean, heavy, heavy, heavy. heavy, heavy. Right? Listen, oh girl, we smiling now, but when I say <laughs> it,
3: might be a few tears this episode.
4: Oh, my gosh. I cried through the whole thing. We heard from the mother and stepfather of Miss USA, Chesley Christ, who died in January after taking her own life. It was beautiful to hear from the mother, especially about the wonderful person that Chesley was. It was beautiful. It was difficult. You know, it was kind of one of those bittersweet moments for me because I was like celebrating how amazing she was, how accomplished she was, how she had achieved so much. Mm -hmm. And then to see that the underpinning of that was this depression and this pain.
3: (sighs) And it wasn't the first suicide attempt. I mean, so many things were impacted in this episode. The answers that we all needed and the clarity that we all needed. It definitely had me looking at the thing a, a different way. You know, I've had my own suicidal thoughts. So mm. I had to sit with myself and think hard and deep about some things and talk to the Lord. And I am grateful that I was able to come to a very good place. Therapy helped me a lot. I was able to find what I needed. And I just wish Chesley could have as well.
4: For her mother to be really clear that she had issues that were consistent, right. that it wasn't her first attempt. Hearing that right off the bat for me, Mm -hmm. I was like, my jaw dropped, right? I was like, wait, wait, what? This wasn't her first attempt. And you don't hear about that. No one publicizes that, right? No one says, well, you know, this amazing, beautiful, accomplished person Mm -hmm. attempted suicide yesterday. And so maybe we need to have a conversation about that.
3: You're so happy that the person overcame it. You just kind of move past it, right? Right.
4: Right. I just, oh, you know, Listen, it was a heavy episode. I mean, we can't, it was heavy. We can't deny and I'm that part. You, for me, it wasn't like a sobbing cry car that I had through the episode. It was the silent tears streaming, yeah. cry. because I thought of all the grief uh-huh, uh-huh. and the sense of loss. I mean, you think about it. This woman's life touched. She had so many ripples. Chesley Chris.
3: I looked up to her. I mean, of course, I want to be a personality. I want to be on TV and just watching her journey. She was such a great reporter. And when her mom said that she does things like, you know, well, you know, I'm I'm living. But how are you? I immediately was like, wow, who's done that for me? Like, are are these the things we need to look for when we say check on your strong friends? Uh. I don't think it would have stood out for me. If my friend said, well, how are you? I think I would have been so happy someone asked about me, <laughs> you know? I just went, wow, okay. hey, well, I'm this and Not realizing that it was a deflection.
4: Wow. And the way that April was so honest and transparent to share, you know, yeah. her daughter and her loss. Thank you for being Thank vulnerable you, and sharing with us that you have had that experience of being suicidal and reaching out and getting help. And I'm grateful that you were able to get the help you needed, Cara. Mm-hmm. It's just, I had to wonder If you had a friend, because you mentioned you were just kind of masking it. If you had had a friend that said, hey, Cara, are you okay here? What would you have said in the midst of that? At the height of your feeling suicidal?
3: I truly had to work through that. The problem was I had, similar to Chesley, I pushed people away because you don't want to be a burden. Even if it's family, you don't want to hinder them. But yeah, I can look back at my journey. I see that it was just a breakthrough point for me. Because that's when like the career cheerleader really was at the height. Like I really described and and started to really bring that out for myself and who am I? And I found myself, but I feel like some people can't. And uh, the suicidal thoughts came in like a, was like a spiral. I describe it as like a flooding of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, I was able to research and read and get therapy and stay in therapy for a while and change yeah. therapists and find what worked for me. Uh, and I hope others can do the same, but it's just not that simple for everyone. Mm-hmm. I read that people don't really want to commit suicide. They want the pain to stop. And that was my exact situation. Interesting. I wanted the pain of that situation to stop. And I felt like I was helpless. Okay.
4: That gave me some insight that it wasn't that you necessarily wanted to end your life. No. For you, now I'm saying, Car. it was that you wanted to end the pain. And it felt like there was
3: a no way out situation. For me, that's what it was. Mm. After I had those thoughts, not long after, a co-worker did commit suicide. Yikes. That's when I was
4: like, wow. How did that impact you?
3: I was, you know, frustrated, concerned, because we were the happy people in the office Mm. so again now not even realizing that high functioning depression was a word at the time right I was traveling four hours a day for work and doing what I thought everyone else did too okay they may have but it's okay to say I'm not okay yeah so yeah this episode hopefully will save a lot of people
4: I am so grateful that we are keeping it really, really real. You right, because we this have to. This is some to. stuff. This is not for fun. This is no, real life. And is... the stuff they talk about at the dang on Table mm-hmm. is real deal, real right. life, red table talk. Right. This is not fluff. This is not pomp. This mm-hmm. is not circumstances. This is blow your nose, baby, because you got snot running <clears> down, okay? A lot of it. <laughs> right.
3: It's time to hear from our amazing community. We ask them when they've experienced grief, what has been the best way that people have supported them? And here are some of their answers. Tracy, kick it off.
4: You know what? Come on here. I am. Kick it off. Severn Gainwood said, listening and praying for me. Oh, the prayer yes. for me. Can ever go wrong. You want to be heard and you want support. I love right, that. Right. Shout out to you. Caroline Richards
3: said, it can make you bitter
4: or better. So remember the
3: best times you had together
4: and pray for strength and blessings. Amen. Mm-hmm. Being present, sharing good memories, and helping me move on mm. from Isola Wright Moore Walker. Yes, indeed, Isola, being present. That is so important. Thanks.
3: Tyrell Morton. He said, even though it hurts, you got to
4: learn how to let go. I love that. Mm, it's accurate. Got to learn how to let go. Wow. Heartfelt acknowledgement of my right to grieve in my own way. Oh. Yes, Diane feeling cooked. That's yes, so important. Key. People have so many expectations about what you should be doing when right. you're in your grief process. You can grieve your
3: own way. It's no right or wrong. I can't wait till we talk
4: about that. Shadow work,
3: which is a type of therapy... Gratitude, journaling, and meditation. Shadow work helps you understand the triggers. Gratitude and journaling shifts your daily habits while also allowing a space for you to be unfiltered and brain dump. Meditation helps you to calm your mind, center your nervous system, and breathe through the difficult times. Thank you, Gabby Garland. I know she is from Red Table Talk
4: RVA. We appreciate that. We have had some fantastic things that help. And giving me time and space to grieve without letting their discomfort with grief keep them away. Maggie Evans, that is so true. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? People don't know how to deal with you. They don't know how to engage with you and interact with you when you have grief.
3: They don't. They
4: really don't. A lot of people treat you like you're a leper.
3: Or if you're not grieving the way it makes sense to them, mm-hmm. then you're not grieving. Mm-hmm. You know. And I'm guilty. I am guilty. When my grandmother passed away years ago, I asked my mom, like, why haven't you cried? Wow. But everyone cries in their own time. I was young and just trying to have things my way, child. So
4: well, that's what you learned.
3: And you do. I learned. I definitely learned. Yeah.
4: Shout out to our Memphis sister friend, Red Table Talk comments and to our RBA group as well. You guys are amazing. And we thank you so much for your input. We're going to take a quick break. But when we get back,
3: we'll be joined by two incredible guests from our Red Table Talk communities. All right, everyone. Listen, we are bringing two fellow RTT community members to the virtual red. Table. Tracy, kick it off and tell us about your guest.
4: It's my absolute pleasure to kick it off, especially with this Red Table Talk Memphis sister friend. Angie Castor is a hairstylist here in Memphis, and she's on Let's Red Table That to share about the loved ones she recently lost, including her brother and two cousins. We are so honored you are willing to share with us. Welcome, Angie. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
3: Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to get into it with you and talk to you today. I want to introduce you to a Red Table Talk RVA member, Dr. Chantel J. Chambliss.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City
3: She's actually the second member of the group, and she's joining our virtual red table from right here in Richmond, Virginia. She lives with her husband and their 19-month-old rainbow baby, Ryan. The grief Chesley Chris's mom shared over losing her daughter is something Dr. Chantel understands all too well, as she lost her son in delivery a little over six years ago. Dr. Chantel is currently co-writing a book about healing, and today we're grateful you are going to share about your journey with us. So welcome, Dr. Chantel.
6: Thank you for having me.
4: We are going to start things off with our Wait What segment. We're going to share which moments made us pause, rewind, and listen again. The Wait What moment, y'all, When. April, Chesley's mom read the final text. I cry almost every day now, like I'm in mourning. I've wished for death for years, and I know you would want to know
7: and want to help, but I haven't wanted to share this weight with anyone. (gasps) Mm -mm. That would have been tough to read. Like, just the first sentence, that part right there, I was like, oh my God, to have wished for death for years. I mean... Yeah, that was tough. Definitely had to rewind
4: on that. Do y'all think you would have chosen to share a final text from a
7: loved one? For her mom, I would have. Yeah.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to agree with that. Especially later on when she started talking about all the rumors, yeah. surrounding her death and how people are asking them to like open murder investigations. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it was important for her to say. I'm okay with knowing that this is what happened because Chesley told me this is what she was going to do.
7: Right, right. She said that she has closure with her daughter's death because of what she said in the message. So she knew her mom and she knew what her mom would need. I'm glad she shared
3: it, especially when it's a public figure like this. We all feel included and we all feel like we want some closure too. Mm -hmm. So it was appreciated that she chose to share it. And I think I would have shared a final one from a loved one too.
6: Also... I can't imagine the amount of people who are suffering from that level of depression. Now everyone understands what that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. Because that, it was like somebody was stabbing me in my chest. Right. It was yeah. raw and gut-wrenching, but it really put a lens on it. Oh, yeah. yeah,
4: I will say that. On the one hand, for me, it was like, oh my goodness, don't go back and reread this. Don't go back and revisit this and Mm -hmm. just open that tender spot. That wound won't heal. Right. But then the other side of me was thinking, you sharing this and your transparency in this and you being able to open yourself up Mm -hmm. and really be vulnerable (laughs) to share this kind of intimacy with the world is a gift because it will make people look at their family members and understand that if they're suffering, that even though you love them, you won't be able to love them away from this. Truly. That was a wait one.
3: Listen, let's go to the next wait what, which kind of is along the same lines. You just never know what burdens people are carrying. Mm. And Gammy said that during this episode.
4: I do hope that opening up these discussions and just talking about where Chesley was, right. her state of mind at that time, hopefully encourage people to be kinder. You just never know what burdens people
3: are carrying. Gammy nailed it. I concur on that completely. How do you guys feel?
7: You don't. That's why they say be careful how you treat people because you never know what someone is battling with. Like her mom said, like y'all seeing her on TV, she's smiling, she's always happy, but deep down she was not happy at all. And I'm like Mm-mm. dang. So you can fake a smile, boy.
6: Man, right? To look at someone so beautiful, so So accomplished. Gorgeous. At that level of accomplishment, for her to still carry that heavy of a burden, how could we ever look at anyone else and think that they don't carry any burden?
4: Yep. Absolutely. Facts. That's so true. Because how much more accomplished could you have possibly been? I mean,
6: she, Miss America? Like, what?
4: And you think about when David, who was Chesley's stepdad shared about his experience with the street singer.
6: After she passed, I had kind of latched on to a couple of Adele songs. And I had a moment when I was up there by myself. I went and visited her favorite cupcake shop in Soho. And there was a street singer singing one of these Adele songs. I was really emotional and I sat there and, oh man, he, he was such a good singer. He said, you know, I'm, I'm gonna take a break for a minute. And I thought to myself, man, I sure wish he would sing that other song. Right. And a guy walks up to him, says something to him, and he says, I've got another request for another Adele song. And he sang that song.
4: Wow. And that was, I was just moved. I cried through the whole whole
7: episode. I did try to
3: hold. <laughs> <laughs> You know, listen, I love a sign, okay? It could be from a color to an insect to a song. Any sign is always a comfort
4: for me. Yeah. Yeah. What
7: kind of signs have you guys
4: experienced, Angie and Dr. Chantel?
7: I lost my brother two years ago, a little over two years now. And his favorite holiday was Mother's Day because he got a chance to really show out and and show how he thought he was the best child. (laughs) So he always (laughs) went above and beyond. (laughs) So when we (laughs) lost him, it was pretty hard. It was very, very Mm -hmm. hard because my mom worked the most with him because although he was the most spoiled, he was the most worrisome. So this particular Mother's Day, this year, my brothers and we went to Bath and Body Works because my mom loves candles. So we get to the register and she's ringing us up. They ask, what's your phone number? And I give them my phone number. And they're like, Mario? It's like, no, ma'am. My name is Angela. Oh. So she was like, do you know Mario? I was like, that's my little brother. And I'm at the register, like tears just flowing. But I was happy. Within that moment, because it was a sign that he was saying, hey, sis, I'm still here. You know, wow, right. this is my holiday. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, it's still my holiday. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and he's such a jokester. He was such he was the light of our family. He's such a jokester. So is it was sad, but it was also a happy moment for me because it did connect me back to him and say, Hey, he's good and he's still Mario. And I was like, hold on, I talked the girl at the register. I was like, I think my brother been stealing my points all these years. <laughs> love that. That's still my point. Get the discount. still my point. you looking for your 15 off of 30 So even though it was a sad moment, it was it was a great moment yeah. because his spirit is still with us. That's a
4: sweet story. <laughs> that's really sweet. Yes. That he was like, yeah, you may be getting 20 candles, doggone it, but my <laughs> yeah, name is all over my it. My
7: name's still
4: <laughs> here. Dr. Chantel, what about you? What kind of signs or experiences have you had? So,
6: so many, but one that's Pretty recent. So when my son passed, a girlfriend of mine took one of the ultrasound videos that we had taken of his heartbeat and she took it to build a bear and she put the recording of Jaden's heartbeat into a bear. Now my daughter, she's been screaming and crying since Thursday with these teeth erupting. Yes. Right. Yesterday, she went and the bear is sitting on a bookcase in my office. She goes and gets this bear and she's like dancing and Aww. singing and going, "My baby, Aww. my baby." And I'm like, "Wow, he's comforting his little sister." And he is. Yeah. This girl has no interest. She has a like one whole side of her nursery is nothing but teddy bears <laughs> that people gave us. Ryan, don't touch those bears. <laughs> This is hot. Yeah. From the moment she was conceived, I have known that he is watching over her. Oh, that's awesome.
4: She probably communicates regularly with Oh,
6: girl, yes. When she's in here and she's just like randomly gibbering, I'm like, that's who she's talking to. (laughs) (laughs) I just know. (laughs) What they talking about.
4: Even in the midst of the content that we're discussing, we can still find The highlights and being able to remember and to be able to laugh and find joy in the memories is such a gift. Such a gift. You're right. Such a gift. Taking it back to the episode
3: is our next wait what moment. You know, when April talked about and shared that Chesley had that high functioning depression.
4: Depression is not always marked by someone laying in bed or unable to do things. And, you know, there are people who are high functioning who can get through the day because they wear the face.
3: I know personally I have experienced it to just reverence myself and being strong and somewhere about uh, COVID. I was like, you know what? Rest sounds great. Yes. So how can you all relate? Or do you have any experiences with any high functioning depression, whether it's you or a family
6: member? This episode resonated so deeply with me because whereas I may have never had thoughts of ending my life, I know how it feels to be accomplished and celebrated. And in the back of your mind, you're like, it's, I still wasn't enough, man. and it doesn't light you up the way people think that it does. It's yeah. sometimes very lonely, especially with black women, right Because with these accomplishments comes imposter syndrome, which is a it's a side effect of this half functioning depression, right? when she was like listing all of her accomplishments, she said something that like really stuck out to me.
7: Mm-hmm.
6: She said that Chesley never had any body issues like she was very mm-hmm. confident in her skin. But when people make fun of her age, it broke her. And it's like, wow. Yeah, yeah. This woman who's so super confident. Right. But like these little pebbles get thrown at you and they make you question your whole existence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've experienced that. High function depression sounds better than it is. If I could go the other way, maybe I would because sometimes... You want to go crawl in the bed and put the covers over your head because it would be easier. Right. It is exhausting. Yeah. It is draining to function at a high level when internally it don't feel high. Listen, I just feel like women of color, Black women, we are busy.
3: We we are We trying to find our own goals and dreams. we trying to support the Black men in our family. we trying to raise Black men in some instances. We are, at the same time, dealing with Grief as well, which which really brings us as to why we're all even here. To really dig into the themes of this episode, now that we said, wait what, we want to hear more from you. So Dr. Chantel and Angie about how you personally really connected with this episode. Let's kind of tap into that and talk really, let's let's go ahead and dive deep into who our guests uh-huh. really are and and why you're here. How did you truly connect with the episode? What was maybe your impact point of the episode for each of
7: you. I was on it before my brother passed. And and since he's passed, I have really been on this self-awakening journey. His passing prompted the opening of my salon. I mean, it pushed me into areas of thinking that I couldn't do it into knowing that I could do it. And for Mario to die gave you
4: newfound pursuit of that answer.
7: It opened up more questions to myself because for years, my brother had been telling people I had a salon. He would tell his girlfriends that I had a salon so that they could come. He <laughs> wanted me to do all of his girlfriend's hair. I don't have to do everyone's hair. Okay, this. so now wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. We got another wait what moment. It's the using the
3: family for me.
4: It's the girlfriends. Mario, okay. we was a miss.
7: <laughs> I love him, but he was
4: a whole miss. God <laughs> mm, mm, mm. love it she was like he wanted me to do all of the girlfriend's hair I was okay. the sister
7: so I didn't agree with everybody so he would get yeah. the okay by sending them to get their hair done it's like sis did you like her did, did you like her <laughs> what, what, it. Did you, what did you think about it you her? were did the you... seal of approval right. Okay. right right when he left here I, and that was just a goal of mine you know what I'm getting it. and not only for him because it was something that I really wanted I mm-hmm. just didn't think that I could do it my brother left here with so many goals. Mm. He left here with so many things that he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And how dare I take my life for granted? I still have the opportunity to get up every morning and complete my goals and do things that I want to do and do things for my children. So I'm going to continue to reach and do what I can until God calls me home. Yeah.
3: Well, come on.
7: It's so interesting
4: to me, too, Angie, that you have positioned it in the way that you say. You didn't say how he died, but you used different ways to say that you lost him, he's left us. And does it make it easier for you to reframe the
7: loss in the way that you say it? Uh, yeah, because I think for me, and 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 everybody's different, because the, the how he left here is it was so violent, it makes me angry. So in order for me to heal, I had to figure out how can I do this and not let my kids see it. Not let my sons, you know, not let them see me fall so deep. So that's why I try to stay on the positive end of it. Because if I did think about that part, I would be angry.
3: Chantel, let me ask you, you know, and I mean, I love that you're both here today because it's like two completely different perspectives. And from what I'm hearing, it's like the loss of of someone. By the hands of someone else. Right, yeah, our brother was killed. Right, and then just the loss of someone just through natural means. Chantel, do you want to share more about your experience and, and Jaden and what that means? Because how was the experience truly for you? I don't think I've ever really heard you share. And, I, you know,
6: hopefully maybe you want to share today. Honestly, like losing a child the way we lost Jaden so unexpectedly, um, so drawn out. I think that is a huge part of our husbands and I trauma is that we knew he wouldn't survive, but it took almost 60 hours for it to happen. And all we could do was lay like mm-hmm. literally they had me almost strapped to a bed. Right. And so I will say because society minimized the way my son died we began to minimize. Mm. Like, maybe we shouldn't be grieving so hard. Mm. Maybe we shouldn't still be so sad. But my favorite was, well, y'all can have another baby. Oh. Go into a delivery room to deliver a child and don't bring it home. And watch how you feel when someone says, oh, just have another one. It's not a freaking sandwich, right? Right. If you right. drop your sandwich, girl, go in there and make another sandwich. It's not a sandwich. With this, this high-functioning depression, because literally April has given us all something to really... Yeah resonate in and in a, in relate to yes of course six years ago I didn't realize that that's what it was immediately I jumped right back into work right I was still in corporate America at the time I was like part-time corporate part-time entrepreneur I didn't go back to my corporate job and I would say almost I had to threaten to sue my corporate job oh wow. because they wanted me to come back to work in three days oh,
7: oh. what
6: The what? (laughs) Sis. They said I had a miscarriage. They considered it a miscarriage and that they would just give me the regular bereavement time. Oh, my word. And I had to fight to say that I labored for 56 hours. I only got to hold my son for about two hours. I'm not coming back to work. And if y'all make me come back to work, I will have every government agency in here ripping y'all a new one. Wow.
4: Oh, my gosh.
6: And again, like I said, society minimizes neonatal deaths, right? Yes, yes. When a baby dies in a hospital, it's really minimized versus if I had left the hospital with him and we had gotten into a car accident and he died. Right. For some reason, that would make his death different. (laughs) And
4: so, those societal norms and mores. yeah, Yeah,
6: these norms really start to influence how you treat yourself. And so what I did was, even though I didn't go back to the corporate job, I jumped right back into my business. I was, like, in the process of renovating a building for an office space for my business. And I'm, like, at the construction site. Like, I'm still, I still got pregnant belly. Wow. I'm yes. out at the construction site. My milk came in because I gave birth. Right. So I'm walking around in gorge and with frozen cabbage on my breast. And, yeah. But still working, right? Yeah. And still welcoming guests into the house. And the final straw Someone came over, a group of people came, a group of girlfriends came over, and they brought food and cake and all this good stuff. And I got up, I went into the bathroom, but not to use it, I went to just sob. And my husband came and found me. Mm. And he was like, we're not doing this. Right. We're not doing this. And so that was the last of the visitors. Right. We went away to really take some time to just cry. Yeah,
3: just process what
6: happened. To happen. just yeah. lay and to wallow. We don't believe that we are allowed to wallow. Right. I am allowed to wallow. I am allowed to cry. I'm allowed to stomp and kick and have a temper tantrum. And we, especially Black women, yes. don't believe we're supposed to. To do that. And so it's Mm -hmm. that, that was the first, I want to say, couple of weeks was really a balancing act of trying to manage how I really felt versus how I thought people thought I should feel. Okay. Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah. Were you in a position where you felt like if I just keep going and have some sense of normalcy and just get things done, I'll make it through this? Or were you just pushing through so you wouldn't have to think about what you had gone through?
6: Funny you ask that, Tracy. I think a lot of people who saw me, even Carl, because she knows me, probably thought I was pushing through to not have to deal with it. When really I was pushing through because I was ashamed. Hmm. I was ashamed on so many levels. I suffer from a few things that cause infertility. My son and my daughter was conceived through IVF. And so there's a level of shame that comes with that, of needing assistance to get pregnant, right? And then there was this level of shame that while I got pregnant, I couldn't bring my baby home. And so there was all this shame associated with it. So I almost kept going so people could go. She's still so accomplished. She's still getting stuff done. Successful. Mm. She's still taking care of business. So that no one could say, oh, a girl, can't even have a baby, right? Oh, right? It my was, goodness. It was shame that kept me going. It wasn't trying not to think about it because we are 10 days away from my son's sixth birthday. It doesn't go away. If there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about it, right? So it was never an attempt to not think about it. It was really to make sure that people didn't focus in on what yes. I had failed at. I wanted them to say, "Oh, Chantel's still getting it done. She's still doing it." It really, it really was a deep, deep shame, and it's why when I watch this episode, the pain in my chest Mm. because I think about Chesley and I'm like, this. This girl was suffering all these years and that's why she kept accomplishing and accomplishing and accomplishing and Mm -hmm. accomplishing Mm because she never wanted anyone to see her inability to be able to manage her emotions, her inability to be Mm -hmm. able to function quote unquote normally, right? Right. So let me just keep accomplishing stuff so that nobody ever sees this.
4: No one ever has to look beyond the accomplishment to see the pain and suffering. And the reality, there is no
3: wrong way to do this thing, okay? Whether it's life career, raising kids, having kids, there's no wrong way. Like our journeys are so individualistic, just so unique. If we really did normalize that more, which is why I'm so glad you're both here to share your stories, more people would be set free. I know this episode set me free as well. Like you all said, we all looking up high functioning depression and just trying to understand
4: another person's journey. It's just not black and white. It's not black and white. And, you know, to Chesley's mom's initial point, it wasn't the first attempt.
6: Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah.
4: For her mom to say that so definitively and to share that so openly and freely with us was also a way for her to be very transparent and clear that there was no murder investigation required. Here's what it really is, especially for people in the community of people of color, Hello, let's wake up, yes. and see that this is a real issue, and we right. need to acknowledge it and address it,
3: uh in corporate America, too, like she has a, like I am so I am upset over here, like I don't know what it is the need to just sum things up with a statement, you know she had a miscarriage, but like you said, yes. it was sixty hours sixty hours of unmedicated labor i'm <laughs> I'm gonna go further it wasn't sixty hours it was several months, right? you know this was yeah,
4: stop this is my yeah. life, you know what I mean. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Cara. The reality is that as long as old white men regulate and create policy that part. who don't have to bear children, deliver children, give birth, go through a gestation period, or have milk come in and have engorged breasts and walk mm-hmm. around with a, a period pad on that's going mm-hmm. from the front to the back, they don't care.
3: They don't know. Well, let's be honest, too, though. When it comes to grief, especially in the black community, I don't see any men. We're typing up the program, we're organizing the paperwork, you know what I mean? What you mean? In no, my family, mean? at least. Just talking about the whole grief process. You know, not only did you both go through it, as my family is, we're very in- involved in the funeral process. You know, I got to gather cards, read the cards, put together the obituary, put together the ceremony. Like, mm. So what I mean is men who are making these policies and rules, they're not involved in the in-between parts anyway. So not only do you not understand childbirth, do you understand grief? Do you understand that family cause they're, you know, they're they're high functioning
7: depression too. Yes, mm-hmm. a lot of men are.
3: Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh,
4: absolutely. Kara, I wanna understand. So tell me more about what you what you're saying. And the reason the I'm emotional asking, piece. Okay. Like the emotional
3: grief is not just crying. You know what I mean? Like as right. as we all are aware, when somebody passes away, like, especially if they are close to you, it's the hardest seven days of your life. It's not just the funeral you gotta get through. It's the planning leading up to it. Yes. Went, and that's what I'm saying for people to dismiss it in one phrase as, sure, oh, she had a miscarriage. Oh, she lost her brother. As if this is something I can quickly tumble and get over That's not how it works. Okay.
4: I get that part. I was, There's a missed sensitivity. I wasn't clear about the male part and the grief process. Okay. That's why I was saying, tell me more about what you mean about that. You know,
3: how do families work? I know with my family, when someone passes away, the females come together. Whatever females at the head of whatever piece of that family is, they handling all paperwork. I I just don't, I see, I don't know where the men at, honestly, when I'm thinking about it, at the head of the table, I guess. You know, not to minimize the male's role, but as women, we're just not allowed to grieve and still have to execute certain things at the same time.
4: That opens up a good question. I'm glad you shared that. So. So Dr. Chantal, since you and your husband both had this pregnancy and both had this experience of the delivery and the loss, how was his
6: experience? It was minimized. It still is. Mm. And to be honest, and I'll tell anybody this, I often think my husband grieved harder and longer and deeper than I did. Honestly, like just to piggyback off what Carl just said, the actual event of death, the women take care of everything, right? And so a lot of people just assumed that he didn't want to pick out the headstone for Jaden or mm. everyone came to me. It was like I had had this baby by myself, conceived him by myself, and he was just an afterthought. Mm. But it is because with most things, I manage the household. Mm-hmm. Grief, death is an event of the house, right? It's something that mm. happens to this family. And so because we managed the family unit, A lot of times, we tend to not check on our men. Mm -hmm. My husband's had to have therapy. We've had to have couples therapy. Jesse's experience was something I had never witnessed before. When the doctor came into the room to tell us that there was only about a 10% chance that Jaden would survive, at that point, we had been together like 12 years. I had never seen him so hurt. I had never seen Mm. him cry that way. And it was jarring for me. And then he felt the need to apologize to me because he wasn't strong. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I keep crying.
4: Oh my word. Mm. That's society. You go back to those societal it, norms. those are
6: the societal norms. And again, it was that shame when my best friend and my mom came. Like, they said the nurses were outside talking about him, about how bad he was crying. Right? What? Because he was like, Passed out in the floor, like almost had to give of him course. smelling salts, right? Yeah. Of
4: course. And then if <laughs> yes. he wasn't affected, they would say he was cold and uncaring. And exactly. so there's no way for him to to Jesse couldn't win.
6: It was a no-win situation. And that's why it's like, they feel how you want to feel. And then again, his grief was minimized because he has other children.
0: Mm. He has
6: children from previous relationships. But you have other children. What does that mean? Mm, mm, mm. Mm. The audacity. But you know, Chelsea's mom said something about that, about how, like, she was bleeding, but she had to hurry up and, like, be mommy.
4: Feeling the way I felt and watching my children hurt. It's almost like I'm bleeding, but I need to do triage with my children. They still need their mommy, but mommy is hurting.
3: She did. Mm -hmm.
4: That happens so much. And you know, it there's something that really struck me in this episode, which was April sharing about how, while she was processing her own grief, mm-hmm. I mean, that was her baby. Mm-hmm. She was still having to care for the family, support them. And how they grieved. Yeah. So it's it's amazing how, like you said, that there's some expectation, right, for the mother, for the woman, for the maternal instinct to kick in for everybody. Right. Angie, what has it looked like for you and your family as a communal grieving process for your brother and for your two cousins? Because you lost two cousins this year.
7: Yeah, our family has gone through it this year. I've lost four cousins within the last four years, but I lost two cousins last month. And for my family... I'm so sorry for your loss, first of all. Thank you. When I first heard about the initial first cousin, and it was almost identical to my brother. Mm. And the idea that we hadn't finished grieving, although he's been gone for a little over two years, but it's... Right. You know, I just don't know when that grieving will end. It's getting better. It's, It's lighter. I can see his laughter. I've chosen to think about beauty mm-hmm. of his personality mm-hmm. than the sadness of how he left here. So I hadn't finished grieving Ooh. before I heard about the first cousin. Mm. And it was just kind of like I was numb. Mm. And people in the family was just kind of like, oh, Angela's not responding. I didn't know what to do. I was just kind of like, oh my God, we're here again. no. I'm just now getting to a point of mental clarity with my brother. Yeah. Right. And here we are again. The way that I'm dealing with grief now, because of what I've learned with how I dealt with grief with my brother, I've learned to look at it from an opposite perspective. And so the family was kind of looking at it still like devastation. We need to go, you know, hunt for these people. And it's like, I've learned a different way to grieve, y'all. Mm-hmm. So for the family, it was kind of at war a little bit at first oh, because wow. they felt like I mm. was being you know, callous. Oh, we was all doing this for your brother when he passed. Right. But I've learned a different way to grieve. To this day, I still have some cousins that give me the side eye. Wow. But I love them. I wasn't willing to let anyone, not even family, take me mm-hmm. back. You either come with me. I'm not going to mm-hmm. come down there. I'll right. be here when you need me. I worked too hard to get to where I was. And and, and I still just the thoughts of losing them now. I still have my moments, but I I grieve the way that that I choose to grieve. mm -hmm. Well, thank you both for sharing that. I
3: mean, listen, the perspectives have just been amazing. I mean, these stories are going to change lives. People need to hear this. I'm constantly talking to my son about a lot of things. And mental health is a big one. He's had his own issues while he's growing up. But now that he's a young adult and listening to Chesley and, and, and like as we tapped into those accomplishments, I'm realizing I need to talk to him more about his mental health and that connection of. Just because it looks like a failure, just because it looks unsuccessful, doesn't mean you are. doesn't mean that you have to sit there with that pain. There are things that you can do. Are you guys having those types of conversations with friends and family as far as mental health and just grief in
6: general? What I've been trying to do, probably not having as many in-depth conversations as we need to. Mm -hmm. But what I've done now is when I call a friend or message a friend, before I go into what's going on with me, the first thing I do is, do you have space for this? What I realized is when I ask that now, people are very honest about do they have space and what's going on? <laughs> and so I think no one ever expects to be asked that. We're also used to picking up the phone and somebody going, buh, 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 I need this. And so before I even start, I'm like, hey, do you have space? To talk, mm-hmm. like mental space, physical space, that, time, all phenomenal. of that, right? And I appreciate it when I receive it in return. Cause it gives me, it gives me permission to say, not today. Yeah. Like I know. And no, right, no, I don't have In the space. next ten yeah. to twelve days, I'm not gonna be a lot of good to anybody. I'm getting very close to my son's birthday. Right. And his birthday is also the day he died. It's like a double edged sword, mm-hmm. right? Right. And mm-hmm. so I know. I'm going to be very appreciative of someone just saying, do you have the mental capacity Uh. to listen? And the answer, may be no. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. One thing I noticed about April, she didn't have one regret. Right. And then Chesley confirmed it. Like, mom, you did it all right. You did it all right. You were always there. Even when you didn't know I needed you, you were there. And so she doesn't have any regrets. And this episode makes me go, I don't want to have that regret. Mm -hmm. So... Car, applaud you for having those conversations with your son because they are scary because I ain't going to lie. when Stuff happens. We're scared. We're like, oh, Lord, what kind of words? We going to open the (laughs) day. And then we're dealing with our own stuff, but definitely want to have more conversations with our children about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's good. Angie, you have three boys. What are y'all talking about with mental
4: health?
7: We definitely are on that topic a lot because I have learned so much. It's my duty to make sure that I'm not just making sure I heal. Because when we lost my brother, you know, that was their favorite uncle. Oh, yeah. My oldest son, who is 22, he has his face on his arm. He has a big tattoo of his uncle's face. And his nickname was Shine. We all have Shine tattoos. Having that conversation with them was a must um, because they are boys. What we've had to experience with our young men within the world I had to have that conversation with them and letting them know that it's okay to be emotional because we teach our boys that it's not okay to be emotional. There's so many things that
4: you both have said that resonate with me and this episode. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the fact that your family, Angie, has tattoos of Shine and your oldest son has the tattoo of his uncle and it was their favorite uncle and they have memories that you guys literally have on your body so you won't forget. April shared that she feared forgetting the aspect of her daughter, you know, the things that were special to her, and as time passes, that they may fade. But Jada said something really impactful.
1: When I was a young woman in my early 20s, I lost a very close girlfriend, similarly the way that you lost
0: Mm.
1: your daughter. I will say that the memories may not stay burned in your mind. But the thing that never leaves is the love.
4: Has that been your experience, Angie? Yes, it has. Oh, friend, Tears are good. Tears are good.
7: That was one of the things that I, when I first started grieving and just learning how to deal with it, I didn't want to forget him. I didn't want to forget him because time was going on. And I remember the first time I forgot, it was the second anniversary of his death. And I almost forgot the date. And I was like, oh, my God. I almost let that date get past me. And I was so hard on myself. Luckily, the spirit brought it to me. It came to me just in time, because if I had missed it, I really would have been feeling some type of way. But those things, you know, my tattoo and and my boys, those are things that help me. I think about his crazy personality, what some of the goals that we had planned to do together because he was supposed to be my maintenance man for the salon. You know, I didn't have to worry Mm -hmm. about painting no walls because he was supposed to be doing that. Right. Thinking about those kind of things and kind of taking it that way to where I know now, even if I did forget the date, even if I did forget his birthday, I look at things from a spiritual standpoint now and his date is gone. He has a new date now. He has a spiritual date with God now. So it's okay if I may have missed you know, those days because I celebrate him every day. And just just like with any holiday, we celebrate Mother's Day. It's not just for Mother's Day. We celebrate Mother's Day every day. We celebrate each other every day. So it's okay if I forget a birthday or his death date because I celebrate him every day.
4: Come on. It's maintaining the connection and you're talking to him in spirit. I love that. That's beautiful. Dr. Chantel, April and
3: David shared about how grief can reappear suddenly. And sometimes because of different triggers, I know you even have the whole this end of the rainbow, which is beautiful. And I know you help other people in their journey. But I know triggers, you know, are part of it. Where do you
6: consider yourself to be now on your grief journey? Some days I feel like it's still day one. Mm. And then sometimes I feel so far removed, especially now that my daughter is here, right? And she's literally When I lay eyes on her, I realized why they call them rainbow babies. Joy that you thought could never ever return to your heart, they bring back, right? Mm -hmm. And she looks just like her big brother. They both look like my husband. (laughs) (laughs) She looks just like her big brother. Right. And so it's a very weird space. Like there are days when I'm so happy that I didn't know I could be this happy because this baby just is like so amazing. And then there are days where I'm so grief stricken that I don't even feel like I deserve her because Jaden should be here and they should be together. The triggers come from the weirdest places. When I found out I was pregnant, I was so overjoyed. We went through eight rounds of failed in vitro between Jaden and Ryan, right? And none of those were really triggering. But the first trigger once I was pregnant with Ryan was a family member who attended Jaden's funeral. Asked me was I going to name the new baby Ah. Jaden. And I lost it. I lost it. It was like my body transported back to that hospital room on day one. I lost it. And I, I didn't get it back for a while. Right? Understood. And so it's those little triggers or like little things like I, I can barely remember names some days. <laughs> but put me in a room with kids and I can tell you which boys are the exact age my son would be right now. Mm. I can look at a kid and be like, he's about to be six, isn't he? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or a few weeks after I had Jaden, I was in the grocery store and a girl was there with a, a newborn. And I was like, when was he born? And before she could finish it, I said around about June 13th. And she was like, Yeah because that's exactly the size my son should be. Like, I have this king sense. Oh, wow. Those are the triggers now. It's like the what ifs. They are so intertwined with all this immense joy that Ryan brings, Mm -hmm. but it's still there. And people really think that rainbow babies erase what came before. Mm. Mm. Jaden was still born. Right. Every failed round of in vitro is essentially a miscarriage. Those eight failed pregnancies still travel with us. Even though she brings this immense joy, there's an immense amount of grief that preceded her Mm. that is still here. And so it's literally, I live a daily balancing act. And that's where
4: I'm at now. Just know that I am sending you amazing amounts of love and energy and light. It has just been the most amazing As Carl would say, successful. Come on. Time with the two of you, Dr. Shambliss and Angie. Thank you so very much for spending time with us. You're welcome. This episode was just, it was hard. It was heavy, Mm -hmm. but it was so needed and necessary, right? It was just a gift to all of us. And I just appreciate Jada and Gammy and Willow being in a place where they could give us this opportunity to see the vulnerability and see that there's an opportunity even in the midst of pain and sorrow and grief that we can learn and still grow. So thank you all for sharing with
3: us. Absolutely. We dug deep. I'm so glad that we had the chance to go dive deep with you ladies. Thank you so much for coming
4: to this virtual Red Table. What an amazing raw discussion. Like Powerful. So grateful to our guests for openly sharing because they were amazing. We're going to take a short break right now. And when we return, we'll share our top five takeaways from this episode.
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury
4: drum roll please I'm ready like Spongebob let's go I love it Tracy and Kara's top five thoughts listen
3: y'all know this is the part of the show where we speed through five thoughts slash
4: takeaways from
3: the episode let's kick it off with number five Tracy
4: number five you can't always see external proof of internal struggles oh that's a Mm -mm. deep one let's get to number four Everyone's grief can look different. Listen, we talked about yes. that with our guests. Honor where people are. And you know what I have learned to say, Cara, when someone is in the midst of grief, I just say, honor how you feel and honor where you are. Mm, right. you know? Number three, check in on your strong friends. Mm. We're all taught to wear masks you really just never know when someone is experiencing high functioning depression. This is new for us.
3: This is new. And, and I'm going to actually make a task to actually dive in a little bit. Not be invasive, mm-hmm. but normally I'll say, mm-hmm. you know, you good. And people will say, yeah, mm-hmm. and they kind of keep going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just ask again. And I want to annoy you. Mm-hmm. I want to make it weird. I want to tell you I love you too. Yeah. Because we just got to ask before it's too late. Right. Listen, I used to lot of people all the time. And that, you know, successful, that actually came out closer to my time with the whole suicidal thing because I was lying saying I was fine. Wow. So I started to say I'm feeling successful because success looks different every day. So that's where that definitely came from. Number two, even if it's a loved one who is struggling, it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. Chelsea's text Uh, to her mom uh. said you've done nothing wrong and you've done everything right. I think that was probably the biggest piece of closure she knew her mother needed. So that was beautiful.
4: She took her captive heart and mm-hmm. released it. Yes. Yes. There was no room for doubt. Right. She had it in writing. It was something she could see and read and now she can keep. That was hard though. That was definitely a number two. I agree. And number one, Kara, you don't have to hold on to grief to remember those you love. That part. That's it. That's the
3: one. I mean, that's the truth. You don't have, you can hold on to the memories. Thank you for our guests because they gave us some great memories about their loved ones that they have lost and i'm so glad that they were able to hold on to those memories because some people yeah may let it go or choose to feel like they can't focus on the happy things because it's not a happy time anymore and that's not true We want to know how you're feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk. We are open to talk about just about anything with you all. So Uh, send in your questions so we can talk about them right here at our virtual Red Table at Let's Red Table That at RedTableTalk.com.
4: Thank you so much for listening. Clara and I are grateful to you, and we want to make sure that you subscribe on iHeartRadio app, and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We need a five. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That. A big thank you to our executive producers, Jada Pinkett-Smith, Ellen Rakuten, and Fallon Jethro. And thank you to our producer, Kyla Kaneru, and our associate producers, Mara De La Rosa and Yolanda Chow. And finally, thank you to our sound engineers, Calvin Bailiff and Devin Donahue. We love you guys.
7: Thank you.
2: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.